Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Ready, folks? I feel like we're sitting around the campfire. We are kind of a little bit, right? Yeah, I like it. All right, here we go. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks so much for listening to another highly anticipated <laughs> installment of Geoholics Anonymous. I'm really excited about this kind of a special episode tonight. We got to give our our good buddy. Uh, Bill Swope a shout out for helping us pull this together. He pulled it a, a, a lot together for he us on did this one, indeed. so we owe him big time. Absolutely. That opening number is Shaky Graves, one of my favorite artists. Just happens to be from Austin, Texas, if you can believe that. Oh, kind of what? fitting. Name of the song is Dearly Departed from his 2014 record titled And The War Came. Be sure to check him out on all your music platforms and, uh, and YouTube. He's got some great videos, especially that song. That song is awesome. Uh, so as you know, this is our roundtable formatted discussion on topics impacting the geomatics world today, and we definitely have that this evening. Uh, i got another great group of panelists that we're going to get to in just a couple minutes. Um, have I mentioned that we recently hit 15,000 downloads? I think there are like, uh, some stipulations with that. I don't know. How many episodes can I brag about that? I have no <laughs> idea. No idea. Well, we got to throw it out here. We're close enough by the time this thing airs. Yeah. Where are we going to be? 16,000. No, one one year deep? Oh, one year, yeah. It's been, yeah, a, yeah. It's been a hell of a ride, boys. <laughs> we are. Like, I just looked today, though. It's so funny. We're like 15,500. So, man, oh, man. These oh. episodes are really getting some traction. It's awesome. All right. Well, we, we will uh, have to put an Instagram live video of you getting the tattoo. We'll do that. Out Maybe pop everybody. some champagne and get the tattoo. Um, yeah. Happy yeah, anniversary. <laughs> I am in. Yeah. Count me in for sure. I think it's a great idea. My name is Kent, and I am definitely a geoholic. Tattoo pending, of course. Um, two of my best buds with me, that being Big Shoots and producer Jake. Shoots, how have you been, buddy? I'm good. I cannot complain. Uh, we've been talking beforehand that nobody's heard, but baseball season is back temporarily. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to steal Jake's thunder, but Patrick Mahomes, part owner of the Royals, huh? Yeah, it's huge news. I um, love that, actually. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, his dad played for him for like 11 years. Yeah, or something that's like that. right. So, Putting that money to work. Yeah, it just makes sense. And he gets there, and yeah, that, that all just makes a lot of sense and he's going to pump a lot of money into that that area so that's awesome yeah, to hear that is really cool i'm excited about that um and then also can you mention that you had a rescue dog that you recently acquired mm-hmm. and it got a uh, bug trap stuck to its foot it did uh, i got some big news boys i am a hero oh uh, we have those like in our garage yep. and a bird got stuck in one. How the hell? What? I don't know. It was just like flopping around and oh me being God. the big sissy that I am. I just looked at it and I was like, <laughs> all right, it's going to die eventually. And I went back in the house. <laughs> they sat there for like a minute and then I felt horrible. So I literally had to go out there and like peel this bird and leaving feathers in the <laughs> trap and like it just took off. And then for the rest of the night I was telling Carrie, I'm like, I'm a hero. I saved a life today. I was all proud of myself. Oh, so I saved funny. a bird's life by literally just grabbing it and pulling it out it. of a trap. See that? So. Hey, you know what? You got some good karma coming your Great way. Karma. I, you know, I felt fantastic afterwards. So that's all I needed. That's but awesome. What about you, Jake? What's new? I know doing, PJ's, doing, PJ's been doing a little bit of sailing, I know. Uh, yeah, almost <laughs> almost every weekend we're trying to get out on the lake and kind of get sailing as much as we can and kind of just, I guess, enjoy the summer and how we can just out there by ourselves. So that's been great. Really excited for the episode. Um, the round tables are some of my favorite episodes. I love all the different perspectives and all the listeners, I believe, feel the same way about it too. So really excited to get in today's episode. Agreed, agreed. Are we uh, any closer to uh, chasing geoholics? Oh, yeah, v- much closer, especially after this past weekend. Uh, we every some? day we get a little bit closer. Can't what wait. Did, what did he do, four months around the entire world? That was like no, it was two years. It was like th- three, three years. years. I, don't, I don't know if Carrie let me get away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her with. Three days, maybe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I've been, uh, been feeling pretty humbled lately, you know, the fact that maybe it's the, the whole 15,000 download it's, thing, it's, you know? It's got it's you crazy. feeling good. It really does. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. I just want to thank everybody for listening and supporting the show. Um, and not to pat ourselves on the back, but man, they're coming out of the woodwork of all these different things that we're seeing with all this. It's amazing. It's a bigger uh, deal in footprint than I think I ever realized we were you doing. You and me both, but we sincerely appreciate each of you and could not do this without you. So again, thank you. I do have a quick safety share. Um, not sure if you guys heard about this, but there was a, 
uh, accident on a construction site in the West Valley like three days ago. Um, took the lives of two guys. Unfortunately, they are working in a trench. And I don't know the details of the accident. Not going to claim to you, but I guarantee you that they didn't think they were going to die when they went in the trench that morning, right? So let's use this as a harsh reminder to make sure that you stop, look, think, and question before you get in a trench. And I know a lot of surveyors and people listening to this show do that type of work, and it's not uncommon for them to to be in a trench just like these guys. These guys weren't surveyors, but... Um, it was very unfortunate. So point being, and we preach it all the time, situational awareness is so important um, in everything we do. So, Yeah, you'd, I would hope that you don't go to work every day thinking, I could die today. Mm. Otherwise, why would you do that job? But exactly. Some people got to do it. Yep, yep, that's for sure. All right, let's get started. Uh, before we do, I want to give our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves. So let's go with your name, current role, and something fun, let's see, if, uh, if you had one superpower, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? So let's start with Linda. Well, I'm Linda Anderson. I'm currently the project manager for the North Central Texas Regional Partnerships uh, Aerial Robotics or STEM Initiative. And I've been working with uh, Fort Worth ISD and uh, they're the lead of that particular project and uh, 10 other school districts around the area. So well, it's been very exciting um, working with them. Um, so that's that's my name and that's what I'm doing. As far as the other um, superpower, superpower would really just get everyone back to doing what we do the very best in the most normal way possible. That would be the superpower <laughs> I would want uh, at this point in time. For me, that's uh, drink beer and eat chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> that too. All right, Daphne, your turn. All right. Hi, I'm Daphne Rickard. I'm the Executive Director of Career and Technical Education in Fort Worth. I'm really blessed to support a team of 12 staff members and over 350 teachers and 50 principals as they help our future kids kind of figure out where they're going to end up in the world. So it's a, it's a privilege to come to work every day. And um, I would say kind of piggybacking a little off of Linda, when you said what would your superpower be in this moment in time, I'd love to be able to predict the future because I've never lived through such an mm. unpredictable time. And it would just be amazing to be able to do that right now. No doubt about it. Uh, totally agree. All right, Candy. Good evening. I'm Candy Slocum. I'm the executive director of a nonprofit organization called North Central Texas Interlink. And for the last 33 years, we have forecast the industry trends for our 16 county region. And that information is employer driven and we take it to the career and technical directors of our 133 school districts who use the information to develop programs of study that are driven by industry and hopefully will develop the pipeline of employment uh, through these students who are going through career and technical programs. My superpower uh, is more of the Marvel comics. I wish I could uh, understand what pets, what animals are thinking and saying. <laughs> So I'd like people. to be a Dr. Doolittle kind of person. Uh, Dr. Doolittle, I haven't heard that in a long time. That's great. Ever mm -hmm. since uh, Robert Downey Jr. ruined it. <laughs> By the way, I like the fact that you're in the library there. Shoots has got oh, one. Yeah. He's got a room like that. He calls it the nerdery. So that, that's, uh, that's neat. Everybody comments on it on the Zoom things. And I'm like, I've read at least two books of behind me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephanie, your turn. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Stephanie Tennyson, and I'm a, a coordinator in the Career and Technical Education Department at Fort Worth ISD. Um, I work for Daphne Rickard in um, supporting our schools and their uh, programs, um, and also supporting our teachers uh, and students by way of coordination of programs. So um, that's a little bit about what I do. I'm, I'm torn. I, I do like the idea of a Marvel superpower. Personally, I like the the ability to fly anywhere, anyway, um, not have to keep to the roads. Um, <laughs> but I'm also somewhat torn between the idea of being able to 
make someone break into infectious laughter and not even by like joke or anything like that, just like stop them in their tracks, whatever they're doing and just convulsive laughter. (laughs) It'll stop any problems. Nothing wrong with that. That would make the world a better place for sure. (laughs) No doubt. Producer Jake, you got to uh, you got to chime in here, buddy. What's your uh, your superpower? It's got to be. I mean, this is just a basic one, but it's got to be just a fly. Fly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want a little more in depth in my answer. What I want got? the Superman where I can fly around the world fast enough to go backwards in time. Oh, there and you I go. would stop this whole Rona thing because I'm sick of it. Oh wow, <laughs> what a hero again! I know. Jeez. Hey, hey you got to go deep on the answer. Overachiever. So <laughs> I may have liked comic books when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Kent? What's yours? Oh, mine would be probably, let's see. To eat unlimited beer and chicken wings. Pizza. <laughs> um, Probably be invisible. Okay. And be invisible, yep. Are you going to spy on people, or are you just oh, like looking to use it for goodness? There is so much you could do with that. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right, awesome. So like I said, really excited about our discussion uh, that we're about to have. And really, because I know I'm going to learn something, and I'm sure our listeners are going to learn something new as well. So let's jump into this. The uh, acronym STEM, or STEM, as it's most commonly referred to, stands for, of course, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, It's a term that's typically used when addressing education curriculum choices in schools to improve you know competitiveness in science and technology developments so it's kind of a conduit to a lot of the professions that we work in the geomatics profession so absolutely excited to hear and learn more about this so our first topic let's call it is i'd like to get a better understanding of the the history of stem you know to give folks some background before we get into this um you know first of all i guess you know when did this movement start and what was the motivation for developing this initiative, I guess, in the United States. Uh, Linda, I'm going to let you start off with that one. Okay. Well, I think in te- I can speak to Texas uh, because I was a director of a school district for uh, career and technical programs for quite a few years. And so um, in Texas, we actually, in the, in the mid-90s, before the turn of the century, really started um, – updating some of our programs at that time and and making them more STEM focused. I don't think we were calling them STEM right there at that particular time, but we were turning old shops into very, um, what we call tech tech labs, where students could experience all different aspects of STEM. Um, And uh, they were able to explore and they did that on the middle school level and then also moved to a little more advanced on the high school level. I think as far as nationally um it was probably around 2010 or 11 when stem started really being recognized nationally with uh funding grant funding etc for schools to really put an emphasis on stem education for students and then in texas um we we actually have a new graduation plan that came about in about 2014 house bill 5 where students actually can select endorsements related to various career pathways, one of which is STEM. Very good, very good. Covered it really well. Uh, Daphne, I'm going to change directions on you a little bit. Um, tell me how, has STEM as a gained traction in other parts of the world? And if so, how do those efforts compare to uh, the U.S.? It, it definitely has gained traction in other parts of the world. I think in some aspects, the United States is well ahead of where everybody else is and recognizing that it's something that needs to be interwoven from what we call cradle to career here, that it needs to be something that's just kind of, it's present in everything that we do. Because like you mentioned, when we started, it is, um, there are so many careers that tie into it. And so it's, it's really important that everybody have that foundation here in the 21st century. I do think that some of the other countries um, are well ahead of us. You look at countries like South Korea, Japan, Finland, um, definitely they kind of hit the ground running and, and move forward. But one of the things I really like about what's happening here in the United States and, and specifically here in Texas in the DFW region is we're recognizing that STEM is so important. It's not something that can be done in isolation. So, you know, when I think about all the people that are out here tonight listening to this podcast, um, so many people want to help and there's such a career need. 
but we all have, you know, time is our most precious resource. And so one of the things I think we're doing better than anybody else is coming together and forming these large groups to work together. So we've come together with 11 school districts to work through STEM education with drones and unmanned aerial vehicles so that we can come as one group to industry and higher education and figure out what are our next steps? What are the workforce needs? How do we meet this constantly changing, growing industry? Gotcha. Uh, man, that's so interesting. Candy, let me ask you this. Um, do you think that the STEM program has had any effect on the diversity of the related professions? I know, you know, diversity is a hot topic right now. Has it had any effect on that? One of the things that we are seeing and have been seeing for quite some time is um, that so much of our workforce is becoming highly technical, which is you know, really what this is response to and uh, has caused a lot of the initiatives for STEM. And as it goes to diversity, we're seeing, I think that it is really playing into what kind of job is there, who is going to fill it, what skills will they have, and what what kind of a diverse skills will they have? Uh, we have soft skills and we have applied skills and we have those skills that businesses say, well, you know, we're really struggling to find those highly technical skills. So there's that diverse uh, type of occupation that just blends the diversity issue right into it. Um, one thing that I'll mention that we're seeing is that, you know, people don't realize that all of these companies that are wanting these high skills, these technical STEM skills, they're competing against each other. And there are industries that we don't really always think of as STEM industries, and I'll use construction. Hmm. But construction has become highly technical, and you know, they are, they are out in the front and using drones for surveying and going into the buildings and checking the structures and all sorts of different things. So. Um, all of these industries pulling from the same pool of worker and they're saying there aren't enough of these to go around, which is why initiatives, which we have uh, with the Tarrant County uh, grant, uh, that's really uh, that's really playing into meeting that need and especially regionally, which is what our initiative is about. Yeah, so employment uh, in the STEM occupations has grown based on my research anyways, it might be outdated, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's grown by about 80% since uh, 1990. STEM workers tend to earn more than similarly educated non-STEM workers, and STEM college majors tend to earn more than non-STEM college majors. So all that being said, and that's all great stuff, but why do you think there's still a shortage in several STEM-related professions? And I'm just going to refer to, you know, land surveying and geomatics specifically. And Stephanie, I'm going to let you touch on this one first. Um, I think part of the reason goes, well, part of the reason for the growth, other than we're, we're seeing a need for these skills. Um, and, and like Candy said, it's diversity of skills. It's nothing works in silos. So when we say STEM skills, it is those soft skills, it is those applied skills, those technical skills, and then um, academic knowledge um, and so forth. We're, we're seeing that it, it touches more careers than initially thought. And so it's being identified more often, um, but we're seeing the need for those skills in, in a wide latitude of different types of jobs. So um, students are still, um, are still entering it um, at a higher rate than, than before because of the emphasis on it, on the intentionality of trying to drive students into these, these pathways, these programs. Mm -hmm. um, but it's growing at a rate that's, that's harder for us to keep up on. And, and some of them, I think it's just, it's a lack of knowledge. Um, you know, land surveying is not something that we see in those, those program brochures that are put out during kindergarten. You know, you see the doctor, you see the fireman, you see the police officer, um, you you perhaps now see an engineer in that. Um, but some of these um, more unique careers or specialized careers, they're just they're just not hitting students until later in the game. And, and by that point, and myself as an example, I was gung ho. I knew exactly what I was doing. You couldn't tuck me out of it. By fourth grade, I knew what I was doing. You know, I get to college and I change my mind, but. Um, yep. 
but that by that point, you know, I'm trying to find something that's at least cl more closely aligned to what I've been studying, what I was interested in, where my skills were. Um, so I think that's part of the problem. And um, what we're doing to challenge that is starting at a younger age and educating our students. And these are skills that you can grow in. Um, this is knowledge that you can learn and you can transition that. You do not need to stay in a, in a fixed mindset for lack of a better term on your career path, you need to, to diversify yourself and and explore different areas. Don't become comfortable with one thing because life will take you in multiple directions. And the more you can adapt to the changing needs of the world and, and just your own personal life, the better you'll you'll be as an employee and and you know to your family. So Yeah, I think you touched on something really important there, and that's <laughs> getting uh well, especially I'm talking about land surveying and geomatics, but introducing kids at a much younger age to those professions. And they're, they're awesome professions. You know, I mean, there's the technology side of it. There's the math. There's the history. There's the ability to work outside and see the world. And I mean, why wouldn't anybody want to do that, in my opinion? Um, but there's a, there's, there's a common thread every time we talk about this topic. I mean, like the average age of a, a licensed surveyor in the United States is like 60 years old. So we are in trouble, <laughs> what it boils down to, and we suck at promoting the profession. Um, so we have we as surveyors and geomatics professionals, you know, have that challenge ahead of us. And I think that these uh, these the, the STEM programs um, can be, like I said earlier, you know, a, a conduit to to help us, you know, get kids introduced at a much younger age. And can I just, I, I don't want to no, shift the topic without, because I, I, there's something here that as Stephanie was talking, it's like a passion point of mine. Mm -hmm. So, and I was looking, I was looking at the screen and realizing that you've got a STEM panel here and you've got four females, which is really incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I love that because we, we want to capture everyone, but one of the things that a lot of the studies show is you asked why we, we still have a shortage um, a lot of girls get, in, for whatever reason, either change their focus, get intimidated, um, whatever the reasoning is between that fourth and sixth grade period. And so we're losing a lot of our potential workforce and, and people that are very passionate about it at that time frame. And so a lot of what we see in education is a focus in the middle school and high school to really kind of find that career path. We really need to be focusing on career exploration, especially STEM and those elementary, you know, age groups. And so one, like one of the things that our district is doing is we are finalizing two STEM trailers as we speak. And we're going to have mobile STEM units that can go out to all of our elementary schools to let students have that experience from pre-K on up. And, you know, that that's some part of the conversation that I think, you know, needs to be brought more to the forward is how do we capture those elementary kids and really get them invested and involved? Yeah. And keep their attention. Like you said, I mean, kids these days, you know, their attention span is so short. I mean, and I'm included in that. I was going to say, I know an adult <laughs> that has that problem as well. He's sitting right next to me. <laughs> yeah. But in my case, that's why I like land surveying is a perfect major or perfect profession for me because it changes all the time. Yeah. You know, absolutely. my day is just, if I'm not juggling 12 things at once, it's like I go into shutdown mode, you know? Maybe uh, the geoholics should get a push for STEM to be changed to surveying technology, engineering, and math. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I like that idea. I like that idea. You know, uh, if there's maybe, anyone that wants to sponsor, a, a STEM trailer focused on surveying, we, we'd be happy to do it. We are going to talk more about that. You just, uh, you struck a nerve with me on that one for sure. I look forward May to I also say that yep. um, this is an emerging field, you know, and it is evolving field. Mm -hmm. And um, I know when I speak with Bill Swope, who is a surveyor and, and he's very integral to our program, by the way, um, he talks about the fact that they are open to having of hiring young people right out of their programs as long as they have that 107 uh, certification and work under, you know, the licensed um, surveyor. But uh, as I think Stephanie mentioned, these young people don't, this is such a new technology to us yeah. that young people don't have a clue about their opportunities. We did a study off of our survey last year at Interlink and we had over 80 occupational titles out of, or out of our survey, and there is no sick code 
for drones or unassisted or unmanned air vehicles. So in that regard, this is really a brand new industry and you all know about it, but the rest of us are just trying to figure it out and leaning heavily into those specialists that can, can direct us on what those opportunities are. And I will say props to, to the state of Texas and the Texas Education Agency that awarded us the grant to allow us to do the project we're doing with drones. Because part of what Candy's talking about, that these jobs just weren't really identified, that was a key part of the grant that we applied for. And we were still successful because the, you know TEA and the state of Texas saw the Kind of the forward thinking and where we were headed and really wanted to help you know help the dfw area and our schools become a leader in this because of the history of the aerospace industry and, and what we've brought before they were able to really see um that that this was definitely a project worth investing in and and it's really exciting to be part of it yeah and and I, to, I, 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 I will, i'm sorry who do you have something <laughs> linda did you have some? It's Stephanie. I was I was going to piggyback off of what Daphne said and just say Texas Education Agency has led a lot of innovative um, projects. Um, STEM is actually one of the, the areas where um, they took a lead as one of the states. Um, they came up with something called the T-STEM network um, way before other states were recognizing STEM um, as it is known as science, technology, engineering, and math, um, they were giving out grants and support to schools to implement STEM programs by following a, a blueprint um, miles ahead of others. And, and that served actually as a template for other states to base off, um, base off their programs uh, or to use for their programs. Um, and it's still successful. There are T-STEM, um, recognized T-STEM campuses across the state that have been doing the same thing for over a decade and producing great graduates. So just props to them. They're doing great things. Yeah. You know, that is awesome. And the only problem I see with that is, you know, these, these programs and, you know, I'm, again, I'm sticking on the topic of uh, land surveying, geomatics and UAVs, the technology portion of it is changing so rapidly that that blueprint has to be dynamic and fluid and have the ability to, you know, change essentially on the fly to capture these new technologies and things as they, uh, you know, as they come to the surface. And I'm not going to bad mouth education, but they are not the most uh, efficient well, at being progressive well, oh, and, <laughs> hold on, and hold keeping on. Again, up. <laughs> again, another, another passion point. I'm not going to disagree with you, but one thing that I do want to put out there is I think in the past few months, we've, we've shown a different side of that. In this project, we were already kind of cutting edge and, and doing things in a way that had never been done before and doing them quickly and really responding to what industry and, and the workforce needed. Um, but if we go back to the second week in March, um, you know, school districts within two weeks were able to turn and shift. And, you know, in, in our district of 83,000 students, it was like turning a battleship and you know, I can share this because it, it was on the news and it was public. Mm -hmm. The week before we closed down for COVID, we had a malware attack that took down our entire network. Mm -hmm. And so we spent the week before getting paper lessons out to students and, and going back to having no internet. And the following week, we were doing virtual instruction. So I, I'm really excited. You know, there's been a lot of hardships with COVID. But I think we're going to see the education industry really hopefully get away from from that, all the red tape, and, and we don't move quickly because we're seeing that need to really respond and, and keep up. And really, that might be a positive thing that comes out of the pandemic, don't you think? And, oh, I, I totally think so. And I, I think... Um, you know, I think it's going to, we're going to take education forward a decade, if not more, um, just, just based on what's happening right now. And so, you know, I choose to kind of look at the glass half full and not half empty. And I think there's going to be some really exciting things that, that happen a lot quicker than they would have had all this not happened. Yeah, absolutely. And what, one thing I want to continue to focus on just a little bit longer here, because I think it's super important, is, you know, in, in my opinion, and you guys touched on it, you know, the STEM education needs to start at a young age. And that's 
going to create the most value and opportunities for these kids. Um, you know, first I'm curious, you know, is that, how is that currently happening, you know, with the, with the programs that you guys are heading up and, um, you know, how, how do we, how, how does your program keep kids engaged from say kindergarten to, you know, the 12th grade? And I'm going to let uh, Linda go first on this. Well, probably, so I can talk, I can speak to that, but something that came to mind that I just kind of wanted to mention when you said, you know, sometimes school districts or education doesn't move so fast. And what Daphne said definitely um, happened in March, April, they started moving a lot faster. But I will say the career and technical education programs that focus on college and career readiness and the programs that stint that's tied in with STEM, those programs have always been nimble and flexible. And the reason is because industry moves so fast. And so in order to in order to stay in alignment with business industry trends, we we have industry partners and that we listen to very carefully and i think you mentioned candy bill swope earlier um one of those that really helped us they they make sure not only that we're teaching the right things but that we have the right equipment and that we're ordering what needs to be and that we're addressing the skills that we need to address so i do want to mention that and then i'll kind of throw that over maybe daphne or stephanie's way to talk a little bit about the you know k-12 initiative because they're kind of right in the middle of that Hey, by, by the way, uh, you guys stole Bill Swope from us here in Arizona. <laughs> it, 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 it was a good steal. We, we definitely won out on that. <laughs> I just want to see how many times we can mention Bill Swope in one episode <laughs> before he calls us embarrassed. <laughs> this could be a fun game. Uh, sorry, um, I didn't mean to interject. So modest. It is funny that we all sing his praises. It's, he is yeah. Mr. Modest. He is. He is. He's. He's a great guy. He's a rock star, no doubt. Sorry to get off topic there a little bit. Go ahead, Stephanie. Daphne, Stephanie. Daphne. Wanna, uh, yeah. No, it's that's okay. We we it, we get it all the time. So we'll <laughs> we'll make it work. Um, no, I think we're doing a lot of things. One of the things I do want to acknowledge is the the grant that we're working on with the drones in UA UAB UAS um, really is focused on middle school and, and, and high school. However, we had a giant event. And now that we look back, it was the last large public event that our CT department had before all the COVID stuff happened. And so it holds an even more special place in my heart because we had, mm-hmm. what, 3,000 people in, in the, the basketball arena. But we brought together the 11 di- different school districts that are part, actually 13. We've got 11 that are part of the grant and then two that are also working with us, but not formally part of the grant. And we brought students together from across the Metroplex, um, had superintendents there in the arena. We actually had a superintendent challenge where our superintendents raced each other flying drones across the arena. Um, we had students involved. Students did a mock competition. And it was something that kids of all ages were invited to that were able to watch on video and see their peers and, um, you know, the superintendents representing the school district and doing the things the students are trying to do in class really connected with them. And so I think some of those things are important and really celebrating the successes that we have, but then also making this available to every student and regardless of where a student lives across the country, they should have access to quality STEM education from from the, you know birth on up. And and to me, that's our big goal: is how do we make sure that this is in every kid's backyard? Hmm. So with that, um, and of course with this COVID situation, uh, with kids working and you know learning and going to school virtually, a lot of the kids may be in very rural areas where maybe they don't have great internet or, you know, are disadvantaged technologically for other reasons. How do you, how do you get over that hurdle? Uh, Stephanie. Um, Well, I can speak for our district. I think there are other districts that are also very similar in in the actions that they're taking. Um, Our district actually purchased additional Chromebooks and hotspots for students um, that were in that position that that didn't have um, access to um, content online at home. Um, And like I said, I've seen other school districts also put out press releases about the same thing. 
Um, thankfully, you know, Fort Worth is an urban district, so rural is not an issue that we have, um, that it's not a challenge that we're gonna be facing um, here. I know that we've got our partner, some of our partner districts on the grant are in rural areas um, and, and they did they did face an issue with, um, as, as, all, as we all did with not being able to do hands-on with drones because mm. we were not in school. Um, but we've got some fantastic teachers who are coming together and, and brainstorming about how this can be done. We've got some partners in the industry who, who wanna be able to do what they can do, whether that's a virtual meeting, doing a demonstration through um, a video conference, um, if it's mentorship with students. So we've got ways to make it happen. Um, even if it's a pre-prepared video that they, they share to students. Um, so it doesn't have to be everybody logs on at the same time. It can be pre prepared for students to watch at their own ease. And, and these are the kind of um, opportunities that we think will transcend no matter where a student, like Daphne was saying, no matter the student's zip code or um, socioeconomic status or anything, these are all ways for our students to learn more even at an earlier age and, and to begin to, to learn the skills that they need to, to prepare for the pathway that they're going to go for. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, cause a lot of the, you know, the STEM career paths are, are technical in nature. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going back to surveying, but you know, in order to learn how to use even, well, even at UAV or a total station or GPS or whatever, you know, you got to get your hands on that equipment and be able to, to use it and have an instructor there. And that's, going to be a challenge for quite some time as it appears unfortunately um well, but again again we get back to partnerships and and this this regional initiative that we have you know fort worth is obviously the the largest district involved at over eighty three thousand students but our smallest district um i believe it's strong right linda that's right. 187. 187 students. <laughs> and and so we we were very strategic when we built this partnership. We we've got the large urban school district, we've got various suburban school districts, and then we've got a few rural school districts for exactly the points that you're talking about and what Stephanie mentioned. You know, Fort Worth is able to supply key instructors, you know, along with some of the other districts, a district of 187 people. Um, you know, I will say the first time we connected with the district and, and we were making phone calls and trying to help build this partnership, when we called and asked to speak with the high school principal, she was out driving her bus route for the afternoon. And so wow. it's, you know, that, that was something that wasn't even on our radar, but the ability to share resources and share what we do, I think is, is a huge part of this because we're providing things to those rural districts that they never be able to procure on their own, but also the perspective and the, the job needs and the, the things that they're able to provide to us is, is just as beneficial as us being able to provide an instructor or help with equipment through the grant. Oh. So I think it's kind of a unique part of the partnership. And I, I really hope that we see this take off in the STEM industry because we're all better together than working on our own in silos. Absolutely. No question. Candy, I know you mentioned you're kind of in a rural area. Do you have anything to add to that? Oh, you know, I'm in a rural area that's so far away that they aren't even in this grant. They're jealous, too. <laughs> Let me just say that that's where, what this grant is about. It's about becoming a model for other districts around the state to be able to uh, implement uh, with someone to look at and say, okay, this is how we did it. So, um, and I see the unmanned air systems is a great opportunity for these rural students because so much of, of what they're doing is coming into the more suburban or the urban areas for construction jobs. But there are a lot of ag jobs that are out there too yep. with, uh, you know, with this systems or this industry. So um, I really think this is an industry that will, will really be broad-based across uh, so many of the, of, of the areas in this state. It's going to offer great opportunity. And the kids love it. Let's face it. Yep. The students absolutely love thinking that they can get an opportunity for work out of something that they have already been doing. I mean, our, our districts have already had drones. Huh. That's not new. It's uh, learning how to 
get your license and really what the industry is about, all those skills and the knowledge and opportunities, that's what's unique to this. And uh, that, that covers all areas of, and all demographics. Yeah, and, and, and it's really, you know, like Candy said, it, it's really kind of a hook that the students don't realize how deep they're getting into STEM necessarily with this project and working with drones and unmanned aerial systems. My background before I got into education was healthcare. So delving into this project, I knew what a drone was. We started this about a year and a half ago. But I, I basically could go, oh, look, that's a drone and I know it flies and takes pictures. The amount of excitement and things that I've learned through this project is just incredible. And I see the excitement I have is tenfold when the kids get it and they get their hands on it. They're way more excited than any of us. And we are all like kids in a candy shop as we move through this learning about it. So I can only imagine what they're getting out of this hands-on real world experience. So we got to trick them into fun being right. educational. Fun and yeah. fun I mean, and you food. You know how we are <laughs> as adults. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the opportunities are endless when it comes to drones and UAVs. You know, I mean, turn on the news every night. There's drone footage. You know, they're using it for. Um, you know, the police department, the fire departments are using them. Of course, they put scanners on them, infrared sensors and heat sensors, I mean, everything. I mean, the sky's the limit, no pun intended. So it's all about getting the word out there. Yeah, and absolutely. And just showing, like they said, real world applications of these things and yep. and the technology that's there that they even we we don't even know about still. Yeah, it changes so often. It's, it's crazy daily. It's hard to keep up with it. Um a story today about drones that are being used to uh, spray the insides of large buildings and arenas hmm. uh, be able to uh, oh. do the, the uh, CV treatment you know of the buildings so that they're um, they're clean so that was a new one to me that's a great application I like it absolutely what can the what can industry professionals do to you know be be partners with with you and your programs? I'm gonna let uh, Linda go first. I think just uh, ask. <laughs> we we yeah. will be communicating with with all of those who have asked. In fact, when we had that large showcase event that uh, Daphne was talking about, we had a lot of business industry come. Um, Candy uh, with North Central T Texas Interlink and her contacts and the North Central Texas Council of Governments, et cetera, got the word out to business industry. So they came to actually see what was going on. And last year, as we started, it was kind of going to be engineering, STEM engineering. As we realized, a lot of school districts, especially the smaller ones, they were going to put this whole pro aerial robotics program into their agriculture program or into their law enforcement so as we've come through this into this year, we've we actually have expanded the pathways that were that this program is going to be offered in to construction and law enforcement, GIS, cybersecurity, AV mm -hmm. business. Um, I may have missed one or two there. Uh, so we're we're kind of expanding that as well. And, and I, I think that COVID has really shifted that ask over the past few months. And it's, it's one of those things we talked about earlier that we're, we're shifting things forward quickly. And we, you know, we may be a decade or more ahead in education when all this is said and done. But one of the things that I think con that industry sometimes thinks is education a lot of times is asking for money and resources, and that's not really the case. Um, we're looking for partnerships, not even just, I hate to use the word volunteering, because when you're looking at this career preparation, there can be students that we have that are seniors right now that are working in your industry next year. So it really is a mutually beneficial relationship. And I think with this whole new virtual world, world we're in, um, it makes it a lot easier to say, you know what, we even just need people to record a three to five minute video explaining what they do in their office, being able to connect those kids through those virtual experiences. And so I think that's one of the big things now is how do we do this in a way that's virtual, but it's also a benefit because you can do it once and reach, you know, a, an extreme high number of kids over and over and over because now it's recorded and it's available. 
So instead of calling it volunteering, you're just like prepaying for the future. Putting a down right. payment on Pay- your future replacement. Paying it forward. There you go. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's so a good we, way to look at we it. We've got to change sure. the terminology here. Yeah. Get that negative connotation out of there. Volunteering. Who wants to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Pay it forward. Uh, Candy, what do you have to add? Yes. Well, we are very fortunate in this area that we have a council of governments uh, that uh, represents 16 counties. And uh, and we're talking big counties. So um, what they're doing is they have started an unassisted, un- unmanned um, aviation uh, systems task force. And it has, I'm going to say, almost 100 or maybe even over 100 members. And they have joined with this initiative. And so every time they meet, they talk about how can they assist with this grant and and they are a large number of people who are very interested in seeing us succeed so that they can you know open it up within every school districts in the in the area so we're really fortunate to have that asset it's run by a gentleman named ernest huffman who is the lead uh, person and he is so willing to be involved he's on the task force in fact i think he's a co of the one of the uh, business task forces, is that right, Stephanie? Um, uh, Daphne, isn't that right? That Ernest? Yeah, he he was he was on um, our committee last year. Um, I'm forgetting which subcommittee he was on, but he was on our main committee. But he does link that whole cog group into this, and uh, of course we have Bell Helicopter, who you know they're just about to do Uber Air and. <laughs> Some wow. wonderful things. So it behooves those industry people fun. to get involved with this. And so we feel like it's just they're part of the grant. In fact, they were. Uh, they had to sign in onto the grant and, uh, and tell TEA what their commitment is to the grant. Right. And, and, and Bell has developed a competition for, for our students that allows them to kind of spend the year working with the drones, working with these systems. And it started out as a drone competition and it's really expanded to an unmanned autonomous systems competition. And then Bell Bell and also Lockheed is a huge partner in our area outside of this grant, but they both offer internships to our high school seniors that allow them to get into the industry you know, do paid internships their senior year in high school. And then um, they're offered to come back throughout college. And we actually have seen students go all the way through the program and sign on and become full employees at Lockheed. And Bell is on a similar trajectory right now. So it's really amazing to see these industry partners recognize that um, the future workforce is here in their backyard and, and put that commitment there to the young people in our community. Wow. And I'll, I'll add on to that. You know, they, they clearly there is money tied to that. And we had just made this proclamation that it's not just about the money. Um, they go above and beyond the, the bell competition um, is, is obviously sponsored um, by them, but they, they send out their um, engineers and, and other team members to the campuses to work with students on the software side, on the hardware side, mentoring students, Aki does the same thing with um, FTC and FRC robotics competitions. Um, they work with students outside of that um, with uh, volunteerism, um, small projects and small grants. So it, it really comes in all forms. We've we've asked them before for feedback on curriculum and they've been um, grateful for the opportunity to give feedback because like you said it's it's mutually beneficial it serves them for us to make sure that we're teaching the things that they're going to need um, when they graduate and go out and, and fill a position um, and then to what you were saying earlier i, I want to make sure and touch on this um, but it would be great if industry when they're doing those three to five minute segments in their office touch on the careers that are lesser known um, things like land surveying that they may never hear until their senior year. Let's get somebody from the industry who who's in that career and what's, how did they get there? Um, if, if well, what they need is a part 107 and they had a couple of ag classes when they were in high school and they can now apply that by getting a job directly out of high school, 
by, by using those skills, or if they were in four years of engineering and they don't have a part 107, but they know that they can go and take that real quickly and that might lead to another job, we wanna be able to get them everything that they need so they can to get right into the workforce. And, and also the, the lot, cause I know I talked a lot about Bell and Lockheed, small business is the backbone, not just of the DFW area, but of our nation. And so one of the things that we hear a lot, you know, our area is about 80% small business and the small businesses want to help, but they don't necessarily have the resources and the manpower to do so. That's part of what our partnership does by bringing so many people together. We can bring in those small businesses and meet their needs and work with them. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, I don't want to go on and on about what these larger corporations are doing without recognizing that because there's definitely a place for everyone at the table. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't work without having representatives from all across the industry, you know, here at the table. Yeah, really good point. And it's obvious like the four of you are working in unison, doing a great job promoting, you know, the, the, the STEM occupations and you've got some amazing industry partners. Um, can we, can we convince them to move to Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that was actually kind of where I was going with that question. Um, well, you can come to Texas. <laughs> better chance right. of you guys coming here. <laughs> um, is there like a, is there a national model for these STEM programs or are you kind of on your own just building it as, as you see fit? I'm curious about that. There are, there are several models used nationwide. Um, New York City is probably one of the best known ones um, out there. They've got a fantastic program. In fact, uh, we've got an internal uh, advisory team, design team, I should say, um, that focuses on STEM. Uh, and what we're trying to do is, is uh, continuously improve in just our district, the STEM programming that we have K-12, or I should say pre-K-12. Um, and we, we've worked a lot with them. We've gotten advice from them and assistance from them over the course of the years. And their stuff is fantastic. There's, there's other models as well, but New York has been welcoming to us every single time we've talked to them. So, gotcha. And I would like them. also to, to say that we focus more on pre through uh, pre K or 12 kindergarten through uh, 12th grade, but we also part of this partnership is with our college districts and our community. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were an integral part of the success of this of this partnership. Now, to go with your bias of land surveying, Kent, aren't there a few places that college level offer surveying there? Uh, uh, isn't it like the uh, University of Texas, like San Antonio? I think they do. I don't know. If it might be a survey engineering okay. degree of some sort. I mean, the, the number of you know survey post-secondary programs is, is uh, on the decline, <laughs> let's just put it that way. In fact, um, Ryan and I actually presented land surveying as a career to about, what, 600 high school students? Yep. And the first question we asked is, who knows what a land surveyor, or who knows what a land surveyor does? And I think we had one person... <laughs> one one, one uh, gal that said she learned what a surveyor was in her uh, ag classes. Ag class, yep. yeah. And she had a very generic description. It was not yeah, <laughs> in yeah. any way detailed, but it was, a, it was at least a start. But pretty eye-opening for sure. So there's definitely some challenges there. All right. Um, let's see. You're about but right we got to remind everybody, you're an architect. You're not architect, even a land surveyor. Architect by trade. But, yeah. I, I would I would love to invite you guys to present not just, you know, I mentioned we have 83,000 students, so we can get you in front of quite a large audience, but there's 10 other school districts that we're working with. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of kids um, that that would know what land surveyors are. So the invitation is open. We would do that in a heartbeat. Oh my goodness. That makes me a little nervous just even thinking about it. That's awesome. That's a big audience. Hey, you got to put, you got to continue to push yourself outside your comfort zone. Uh, I do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Such is life, right? Oh, it would be awesome. I think that it'd be would great. Be. The whole goal of this thing to start from the beginning was to promote the profession. If, if yeah. that 
can come of it, why, why wouldn't we, right? Take you up on that in a heartbeat. So we got some things to talk about offline, that's for sure. All right, before we, uh, before we get out of here, I want to give each of you a last chance to, you know, maybe say what you're most excited about as it pertains to STEM. And if there's anything else you'd like to add, feel free to do so. Um, Stephanie, let's start with you. Okay, I was still gathering my my thoughts. So if I if I can get the option to also come around at the end, just in case I've missed anything, um, <laughs> you bet. I would say the the thing I'm most excited about for STEM is the unknown. Um, that that it is evolving so quickly and so rapidly that there are things that we have not yet considered. But the students that we see um, in our classes right now are more than ready to accept the challenge. They are. They are thinking in ways that are better than we've been in the past um, in education. They've they've taken to the growth mindset. They they're excited about STEM. Um, they're just they're just great learners. And what we need out of future thinkers are that they can be learners first. So that's what I'm I'm most excited about. Awesome, appreciate that, Candy. I'm excited because uh, one of the things one of our task forces does is looks at industry trends. And the fact of the matter is this may be the time when we are really going to be seeing the turning of the artificial intelligence and the robotics and all of those amazing uh, technologies that are going to be um, really entering the workforce. And it's not going to, they're not going to do away with jobs. They're going to change the way work is performed. And, uh, you know, that create the creative destruction, um, I think it's where we're headed. And so the one thing I keep, people get nervous when I talk about that, but the one thing I keep saying is I heard of an expression once and I don't know who said it, but they said, we do not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And that's the students in programs like your STEM programs. And so I think it's exciting. And I think we're really at the cusp and the COVID-19 may have just been the thing that pushes us into that really uh, technical future that we've all been expecting. So that's my happy thought. I completely agree with you. I think uh, Elon Musk holds the uh, key to the future as well. Oh, and he's uh, he's headed to Austin, right? Yeah, he had the <laughs> horns up the other day. Uh, <laughs> all right, Daphne, your turn. I uh, first of all, I'm going to say gigam. I'm I'm an Aggie and and not a, a Longhorn, <laughs> but um, I'm going to say I think that what excites me most about STEM is the potential for generational change. And you know, STEM education is something we can provide to anybody, regardless of where they're at. And when you give a child who um, the opportunity to change their life through education and through a, a job that is a step up from where they're at, you not only impact them, but you impact their, their current family and generations to come. And so, so that's what excites me the most about this work. Really exciting. So producer Jake wants to be an astronaut. Do you have a career path for him? Always. There, there's lots of ways to do that. So come on <laughs> over to Fort Worth ISD and we'll get you hooked up. I feel like it's more of a Houston thing for some reason. I don't know uh, why. Uh, funny. All right, Linda, close us out. What you got? Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to work with the North Central Texas school districts and see the great things that they're doing um, to, um, to prepare the students for the future. And um, so it's exciting to see that and exciting to see all of our business partnerships expanded this next year. Um, and we'll be training more teachers and, and putting more drones in those uh, school districts and classrooms. So that's, that's very exciting to me to see all that coming up and happening uh, as this school year begins. That's great. You guys all have uh, very, very rewarding jobs, no doubt about it. Stephanie, since you asked so nicely, you get the final word. Well, you know, I, I thought about it as everybody was going out or was going through theirs and they, they kept capturing um, thoughts that I had. So I, I, I don't have anything else to add, but I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the offer to come back through. I just, I feel even more motivated to show up tomorrow and do what I can for, for our students. This yeah. has been great. That's awesome. Very really? motivating. So thank you. Thank I would all like to say one yeah. more thing, yeah, yeah. if I could, since Stephanie didn't. I, <laughs> you had mentioned about the national model uh, that, you know, is there a national model that we're looking to? Um, so we, we believe 
what we've done in North Central Texas, I believe the nation can look at us and as we continue this next school year, but I believe we can kind of set the pace really for a, for a model that, uh, that could be seen, you know, not just across Texas, but across the nation. Well, yeah, I'll definitely have uh, a lot of really exciting things going on. And I can just tell, you know, when, when each one of you talks, there's a lot of really good energy there and a lot of excitement and it's sincere. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for, uh, for you know, approaching it in that manner. And uh, thank, you, thank you all again. I mean, it's just been a fantastic panel, provided some great information. We probably could talk for another hour. And if you want to come back another time, we'd love to have you. Well, uh, as we always say, when, when somebody's passionate about something, it definitely comes through, even on something as simple as a podcast. And you can tell that with this group. So, yep. And then I did notice that you've been talking with these ladies too much because you dropped a y'all. I did say y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're infecting your brain. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. But thank you all again. We really, really do appreciate you being here. Thank you. We've had fun. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you all very much. You bet. So as always, uh, get involved with your communities, volunteer your time, look for opportunities to help someone out that may be struggling. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. Bank some good karma. I guarantee you, you'll see it come back to you. Just like Big shoots saving that bird. You never know. I can't wait to see what comes out of that. It's going to be a good (laughs) week. As always, thank you again for listening and your continued support. We could not do this without y'all. Please be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Feel free to send us an email at info at if you have any suggested topics or would like to be on the panel of a future Geoholics Anonymous meeting. Till next time, everybody. Be safe. Stay safe. Thank you to our friends of the program, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu forward slash surveying, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot arrow, Bad Elf, Bad-Elf.com, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, Diamondback Land Surveying, DBAC, ls.com get kids into survey get kids into survey.com <laughs>